and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drum. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, final hour of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday afternoon. I'm sure you just heard it in Jem's updates. But in case you didn't hear Jem's updates, uh, no Kevin Durant tomorrow. He's still on the sun. Big picture, yeah. but no Kevin Durant tomorrow. Uh, James Jones was on Newsmakers Week. Newsmakers, of course, going on all this week, all the way through tomorrow on Bickley Murata. And James Jones was on this morning, and he talked about the outside noise. you got to remember James Jones was on some super-ish teams. He was on the original super team, really. Um, he's got three rings. He has been in that situation as a player where expectations are... If you don't win at all, you failed. Yeah. And I'm not sure the Suns are quite there yet locally. Like, if they don't win at all this year, they failed. But certainly if they don't win at all this year or next year, that's <laughs> that's going to be a problem. And I don't know that we've really been in this spot in the Valley in a long time. Do you? Where it was like you go into the playoffs as the, you probably should win the whole thing. Yeah. Like when you were up that to. That is a weird dynamic, too. And, and the only time I can think of is when they were up 2 0 in the finals. It felt like, okay, well, you should win this. You're up 2 0 in the finals. But that was a, that was a week. People you know what talking I mean? about it's going to be five. Is they going to win this in five? I remember, remember that. Pe- no, I remember people saying, I hope they lose one so they can win it at home. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to go close what my fingers in the car door. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> to remind that myself that this is not a dream. Okay. All right. Anyway, here's James Jones on Newsmakers. It makes for good drama and for good stories. Um, I think every competitor, and every player in this league starts the season saying championship or bust. Like, you don't start the season, you don't play the games just to play the games. You play to win. And if you don't win a title, you bust. Uh, 29 teams bust every year. Uh, I think, think it just takes great a, a greater magnitude or it's, it's, it probably comes under focus a little bit more for those teams that legitimately have a shot. Um, but if you want to say championship or bust, that's fine. That's our mentality every year. Yeah, yeah. You know what? He's he's right in what he's saying right there. But every team has players, and those players are human beings. And those those human beings get together, ladies and gentlemen, and they start talking about um, what their expectations may be for this team going forward. Hopefully they are having those conversations about it because you don't want to ignore it. Everybody knows This is an unbelievably talented team. You don't want a shred of complacency starting to seep in with this team at all. And that's why you got to talk about it. Well, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the players react. I don't doubt James Jones, what he's saying right there, where they're approaching every season as championship or bust. If he had said that three years ago, I'd have been like, okay, we get him in the playoffs in 10 years. But, you know, the 64 wins last year and a trip to the finals the year before, you should be approaching it that way. But we're about to enter, whenever Kevin Durant officially steps on the floor, a new era for the Suns, which is a lot of greatness, but also, as a fan, just be aware that fans of other teams are going to revel 
in your losses, and you're going to hear about it on social media. And yeah. this is you're now you're about to become the hunted the second Kevin Durant steps on the floor. This was really interesting. I, I've been wondering if James Jones and Monty Williams would embrace the drama instead of downplaying the drama. Just act like he you know, just embrace it. Just say, yeah, I know. I know what the expectation is. We all understand. Kevin Durant did ex- that. He embraced it. I, I, I know. I, I, I think you have to. I think you have to acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you buy into it and you become complacent. That's one of the reasons why you got to have the conversation inside the locker room. But I think you also, to the public, have to acknowledge what you personally and professionally know about the game of basketball and the talent you have and the collection thereof. You guys got a bona fide shot of winning a championship. Don't you have to talk about that and acknowledge that? Yes, embrace it, I would say. Don't ignore it and act like it's not It's not going to happen. Well, yeah, and I, I think almost to piggyback on what you're saying, even if, if James Jones were here right now, like if he couldn't find his way out of the building because it's complicated in the hallway from Newsmakers Week, and he, so he was still here because it is complicated. We have yeah, a hallway that up, goes James? in three directions. He would he would say what he just said of, no, we, we are approaching every season that way, and that's that's – Totally fine. I get that. But I think what you, you're you saying, what you kind of have to add to that is it's different now. So it even is. if you started the yeah. season like we're going to win the title, that's fine. And your goal doesn't have to change. But it's going to get very different the second Kevin Durant steps on the floor, both on the floor for those 48 minutes and everything around you. Wolf, how many times have we seen the Suns on these three TVs in the studio today? Oh, yeah. All national. It's, it's oh, all yeah. Suns. Actually, it that is. one's Kyler Murray. But It's all Suns all the time. And, and the year they went to the NBA Finals, they were still talking about the Lakers on most of these shows. Yeah. The Bucks won the title that year, yep. and they talked about the Lakers the next day. But now that you have Kevin Durant, everybody's focus has shifted to the Phoenix Suns. That's different than it was Three weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why um, telling the truth is so important inside a locker room. Telling the truth is so important as an individual player. Telling the truth about your job and what you did or did not do. You, you, you can't look at your play or your parts on a team with rose-colored glasses on. You just can't do it. You got to come out and you got to state what is true. And right now... The collection of talent you have inside that locker room, you got to tell the truth. We could win this whole thing. We, we got a great shot of winning this whole thing. There are no guarantees when you compete at the highest level our species can generate. There are no guarantees. But the one thing you can do is embrace what is obvious. Tell the truth. You got enough talent. To be the favorite to win this thing. Do you let that go to your head? Or you, or does that scare you? Does it get your attention and motivate you to go out and live up to the potential you have? That's what I'm hoping it does. But the only way that happens, living up to the potential you have and embracing the potential you have, is admitting it in the first place. Here's more from James Jones on Suns fan base and how much uh, how much excitement is around the valley right now for this team. Oh man, they're live, and, and I told them Phoenix is live right now, and, and our fans are are too. They're excited and they're demanding, and and that's what you want um, because we we look internal a lot. You know, I tell people a lot. I, I wear noise canceling headphones so I could block out the noise, <laughs> um, and I put the music on that I want to listen to, and the music we want to listen to is championship rhythm, championship vibes, and and. 
and if the fans feel the same way, it's good because they bring it to the building, and when you're not performing, they let you know. And that's a lot of times that's that's the joke that you need. You need that out, outside perspective from those that really enjoy and respect and love what you're doing when they come to you objectively and say, "Hey, you need to be better." You tend to listen. There you go. You need to be better. You tend to listen. You got to tell the truth. You got to tell the truth about you and your role on a team. We just got to get this started now. <laughs> like To a certain extent, it starts up tomorrow, even without KD, because the Suns haven't played in over a week. But we got to get this started, because the stretch run is officially like beginning tonight. Yeah, it, I know. There's, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of games tonight that impact the Suns. I mean, we're at that point of the season where what the Clippers do impacts the Suns, what the Mavericks do impacts the Suns. You can start to look at, like, if the season ended today, they'd be playing the Clippers in the first round. You can look at the fact that New Orleans and Golden State, two potentially dangerous teams are right there in the play-in tournament. Yeah. You might be playing them in the first. You're going to be playing a good basketball team in the first round. you got to be ready. I, I know, but we all know, too. It's like they're playing them with one arm tied behind their back, metaphorically speaking. We don't have Kevin Durant. You know, we're, well, we're waiting. I, I mean, it is. that It's a hard situation to be in. the waiting game right now, but here's the thing. When he steps on the floor, everything's going to go 100 miles a minute until hopefully June. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to overreact. Okay? I know you will. I'll tell you right now, I I intend to overreact. I am not going to overreact. I know Maloney, of course, and you, you'll overreact. I want to overreact. I'm not going to. All right. When we come back, we'll overreact to the Cardinals and their focus on uh, roster building. Monty Austin Fort weighed in, and, well, he's the guy that's going to be building the roster. So his opinion will be out of his mind. That's, uh, That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back over to football. Monty Austin Fort was also on news wait, uh, newsmakers earlier today, and uh, he talked about the culture he wants his team to have as he starts to build it. It's not from scratch, but I have to think this is one of the appealing parts of of being a GM of this team and and stepping in and and to a certain extent being a coach, too, is you're kind of getting to to put your fingerprints all over it at the very beginning. You know what I mean? It's it's not like uh, you're stepping in on a pretty complete roster and you just have to make a few little adjustments here or there. That would be nice, too, if you were already a Super Bowl contender. But if you're Monty Austin Fort and this is your first job as a GM, he gets to step in and, all right, here we go. I'm going to build this team and I'm going to build this culture. I can't speak on what, what did or didn't happen here last year. I, w- I was not here. All I, all I can say is that, again, I'll go back to it. It starts with adding the right type of people. And, and we've done, a, we've done a, the gr- a great job of that here in the last week of adding the right type of coaches to the staff. And then w- one thing that Jonathan always talks about is what is what does winning behavior look like? And so really that is just as much. Mo- that is as much 
much what not to do as it is what to do. And so we're going to describe to players what winning behavior is. We're going to show them what it is. And we're going to call out when things are win- what, what is winning behavior and then when something is falling short. And there's no one that's going to put that, uh, that model and that example together more than us as a staff, us, uh, as a coaching staff, as a personnel staff, as the entire football operations. We're going to show the players what winning behavior is and we're excited to put that type of culture and accountability back into this program. (laughs) You know what, honestly, that did not... I had more questions than happiness. Yeah, that's right. That's well played by you. That is well done. Because I did. That cut right there, Mindy. Can you describe that for us? What is winning behavior? I've, I've never even thought about that. What is winning behavior is he talking performance i i don't think he is i think he's he's literally using the word behavior how are you behaving as you're competing is is that what he's talking about i think it is well i i don't know what to make of that it, it, winning behavior what does that look like winning behavior it feels Is he talking about how you play on the field. What do, what are your thoughts? It, on it feels like it's, and they've been pretty consistent with this since the end of the season that they want to have one message throughout the organization. You know what I mean? Where it's it's not just the only reason I would say I don't think it's just the players on the field or what you do on the field is because I, I think that they want to have this top to bottom throughout the entire thing. Monty Austin Ford has talked about that when he got the job. Uh, you know, and, and Michael Bidwell and, and talking about how it, it, it's everybody. It's it's ticket sales. It's everybody, right? Have one consistent uh, identity and, and message. I mean, Look, they had injuries last year. They did things wrong on the field last year. But it felt like, at times, it was just a bunch of individuals. Not everybody on the yeah. team. But, I mean, that's how many off-the-field problems did this team deal with last year? It felt like everybody was just kind of doing their own thing. Well, I'm going to look out for myself. And on Sundays, hopefully we win. I'm so glad you said that. That's got to be out the window. And I have to think that was the first thing Michael Bidwell, when he sat down, was like, Hey, guess what? i got to pay two coaches and two GMs. So how about everybody gets on the same page? I think you're... Right. I know that hurt you. I think you. you're right. But the thing is, this. I am right this time. Yes. You're right, Luke. I know. I think you are, buddy, right there. Um, that Maybe he's talking about the discipline. Having discipline. And that is winning behavior. Maybe that's just a different way to look at it right now. Here, Here's what the expectation is going to be. Here's what's, what is not going to be allowed or accepted here, and here's what we are looking for. Maybe that's what it is, not only as you compete, but also off the field. So here is Jonathan Gannon from his introductory press conference last week talking about what winning behavior is. Yeah, uh, probably you guys don't have the time for me to answer that question, everything that uh, <laughs> that I'm gonna that we're gonna do here. But uh, player accountability is is simply this: you got to define what winning behavior is and hold people to that standard. It's as easy as that. It's your daily actions with what you're doing on a daily basis to improve yourself as a player and as a team. And accountability is just not a negative; it's a positive too. So when people do the right thing, that shows that's winning behavior, and and you're gonna see. 
that our guys, we're going to love them up as, as hard as we're going to be on our guys. We're going to love them up even more. And that that's that's how you win games. But I think that ultimately we're going to show them the way that we want things done. And the players sitting here right now are going to take it over because the ultimate accountability comes from not wanting to let your teammate down with how you're doing going about your business. So um, that's uh, there's there's a lot of different ways to get that done, and I look forward to doing that with our guys. And uh, that'll be one of the major things that that we hold our hat on. Culture. That's what he's talking about. On a day-to-day basis. Not just during a game. Not just when you're competing. But it's throughout the week. Every day. We're going to show them what we believe is winning behavior. Show them what we believe our culture is going to be here. That's why Buda Baker is being held up and waved around. Yeah. Because they need him to be the model. And you know he's on board because you know last season didn't bother anybody more than it bothered Buda Baker. I mean, at a certain point, he was playing with a high ankle sprain, and, and then he even played a few plays with a broken shoulder, remember? <laughs> and, and the guy. games were, Just were meaningless at that point. I love him for it. I would love to know, and there's no way to truly know this, I guess, who other than Buda Baker, this new regime, walks in here and they're like, oh, yeah, we can count on him. Uh, we can count on him. Uh, we can't count on him. He's gone. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. They're never going to, they're certainly never going to tell you who they're looking around saying, yeah, we're not, he's going to be gone. Don't worry about him. But I wonder who else it is because Buda Baker is the obvious one. And, and so it would have been weird yesterday if they held up somebody other than Buda Baker on defense because it would have been like, you know, you have Buda Baker too, right? But I kind of, but that, but that doesn't really tell us anything because yeah. you know who else do they look at and they're like oh we got one here we we've got we've got somebody we can we can build this culture around here he's going to help us build it here like who else do they look at on this team and, and think that about yeah and, and what i also love too about that cut and i forgot he said that there's been so much so much sound that is coming there's down. been a lot of talking it's just so much talking and you've been talking about this talking about the talking oh my goodness the the catalog based audience of cuts that are out there just from this past week you see this look at all this audio i have over here we haven't even gotten to it i've got pages brutal. of it just pages of it right now just brutal and i forgot about it but that's what he's talking about he's he's talking about culture this is going to be our culture not not as we play but throughout the entire week day by day this is what we're going to expect, and we're going to hold up examples. This is the kind of behavior that we want from our players. Man, that gets me That gets me really excited because the culture shock is exactly what is needed, I believe, on this team. I'm encouraged by the fact that we have heard Jonathan Gannon, Monty Austinfort, Nick Rollis all speak and say a lot of things, but they, they at least so far— have a shared vision, and they've been able to communicate that. Now, again, what really matters is can you communicate it to your players and can you build that where it's a consistent thing that's around this team and you're winning games on the football field? I, I get that. And can you be consistent if you start next season one and four? Are you still going to, or are you, people going to start to panic? Yes. Uh, I don't think they will, at least not in that case, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see because that's just so early in everybody's time here and they're all so young. But I like the fact that these guys clearly right now, you can't do anything as far as free agents, as far as really making trades. You can't draft anybody yet. What you can do right now is 
have these conversations internally about what your culture is going to be. And they clearly are doing that because when they talk to the media, it's the same message. It's so important. It really is. And I know that from being on many, many teams. And I'm not just talking about at the NFL level, talking about at the college level, even the high school level. Everybody knows what a team is, is like that has been on a team. I don't care at what level. You know what it's like, the dynamic that happens inside a locker room. Whether it's high school, college, or pro, that dynamic happens inside a locker room where this is how we do things. This is who we are and how we do things. That is culture, and it starts with behavior inside that culture. Isn't that right, J.G.? Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we're starting to get a glimpse into what the working relationship between James Jones and Matt Ishbia is going to be like. They certainly started it off with fireworks. We're going to tell you about it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every time we look out the window, the weather's different today. So, what's so cool. Going on? Literally. <laughs> you at least get to see the window. I kind of have my back to the window while we're talking. Yeah, you do. I mean, I guess I could just look this way and, and, and not look at you at all and just look outside. That'd yeah. be kind of strange, though, wouldn't it? Improve your view. Well, I promise you that much. <laughs> but, every, but every time we go to break, I'm like, hey, it's cloudy out. Hey, it looks like spring training weather. Hey, it's snowing. Like, what is happening it's, behind me? I don't know, man. Right now, it just those are buffalo clouds in the sky. Very cool. Just to be clear, you mean clouds that you would see in the city of Buffalo, not yeah. clouds shaped like Buffalo? No, okay. because so much of the time, when you're in Buffalo, New York, you can't see the clouds. All you see is a gray canopy. Gray. Sounds like a party. <laughs> They're clouds without definition, Basinonians. Imagine, you know how a, a sky is blue, right? It's a blue sky. You see that many, many times here in the basin. Just nothing but blue all around. Imagine nothing but gray, but you can't see clouds. Think about that. <laughs> that is Buffalo, New York, <laughs> so like, much of the time right this there. It's like the most so when you depressing see, meditation sequence I ever. Know. So when you can't actually see the clouds, it makes you feel better in Buffalo. It you, does. You know what? Yeah, I would imagine so. Camelback Mountain um, does an amazing job of looking like it's Mount Everest when there's clouds. Like, have you ever driven past it and it's like, oh, there's yeah. some clouds and you can't see yeah, the top of right. it? You're like, yeah. oh, that's probably about, what, 50,000 feet? Have you actually got to the top of Camelback I have. ever? You have. I went up the wrong side of it, too, with, oh, yeah. with two people that were in better shape than me. And I'm decent shape, but, like, they ran up the, the north side of it. Yes. And that was the first thing where you have to pull yourself up the metal bars and yeah. stuff. And I got to the top. I was like, that's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. That's what the Warrior Queen said. Yeah. Vetter and Savannah, both my 14 and 12. They're actually 11 and 9 at the time. Got up to the top of Camelback. And they said it was brutal. Do you know what side they went up? Um, The hard side. Yeah. I haven't gone up yeah. the easy side, which I don't even think is easy, but it's just the easier side. They have side. no idea what they're getting themselves into, of course. No, but they Bear did knows it. all about Camelback. <laughs> he did an interview with us halfway up Andre Camelback. Andre Turney, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get to uh, James Jones and Matt Ishbia. This was a thing that a couple weeks ago when they when Matt Ishbia officially took over the team. Remember, there was the weird like I don't know two hour sequence where people were saying he was going to bring in Isaiah Thomas, and then it was like, okay, he's not bringing in Isaiah Thomas, but is he going to bring in somebody 
to work with James Jones? Like, how does he see this playing out? Right? Does does he want? Is he going to change how James Jones does things? And instead, within twelve hours of buying the team and officially being introduced, he and James Jones worked out a trade for Kevin Durant from uh, from Brooklyn. So James Jones on Newsmakers earlier today talked about his uh, his relationship with Matt Ishbia in the first couple weeks on the job. I mean, I love Matt. Matt Matt's funny. Uh, he's he's pure energy, um, but he's pure basketball and. It's, it's it's rare you get a chance to work with an owner who actually played the game and understands exactly where you're coming from and understands the team dynamic. You know, change is something that's constant in this business. If, if teams and players aren't changing, you're either improving or you're, you're taking a step back. And, and so he's been coming. He's come in with a, a renewed energy, saying, "Look, we need to continue to change and push forward. And change is good. A change doesn't have to be bad. It's only bad if you're complacent and you're stuck. Uh, but if you're looking forward to winning." Uh, you embrace the change and, and you find ways to change proactively versus reactively. I'll be honest, Wolf, I, I didn't have any like preconceived notion of how this is going to work out when Matt Ishbia bought the team. Yeah. I just was like, this is something to watch because either he's going to come in and say, we're doing things differently because I just bought this team, and James Jones is going to be like, hey, look, man, I do things my way. And That's then right. who knows? You know, If you don't win a title within a year or two, then who knows where everybody's going to be. It seems like so far, just based on what we've seen and some of what James Jones has said, that anything Matt Ishby is coming in here and doing differently is something James Jones was quietly looking for in the past. Like It seems like he's yes. almost awakening James Jones. Yeah, you know, it is so weird right there. This could have gone in a really, really bad way or a really, really good way. <laughs> coming in, when you've got an owner that loves the game and knows the game, that's something that James Jones just acknowledged right there. It's rare. You know how rare that is, you heard him say, where you get a guy that knows the game and loves the game and played it at a, a high level and understands it. It could have come. It could have been really, really bad based on means like a nightmare, or it could be a dream come true for James Jones to have an owner like that. You're either going to come in and you're going to you're going to say, oh, man, I totally my philosophy of basketball is right in line with your philosophy, James, or is going to be, you know what, man, we are dichotomous when it comes to our basketball philosophies. And because of that, I'm going to end up meddling a lot in your business. When you pull off a trade for Kevin Durant, one of the best basketball players in the world. One of the best basketball players ever. Um, I think that bodes well for you getting along and working well. Especially when you do it instantly. It's not something they worked together on for months and months. (laughs) I know. And you do it instantly and... It's not like there are now problems from it. You know what I mean? It's not like James Jones is like, uh, yeah, I didn't want to do that. He just basically came in here and forced my hand to give up all my assets. No, like James Jones is on board. And it, I don't know. I mean, we're reading we're reading based on, on you know, you're reading between the lines of what people are saying and yeah. their actions. Obviously, James Jones wanted Kevin Durant on his team. He was talking about this or looking into it back in the yeah. summer. But it just it feels like those two started their relationship as owner and GM with one of the biggest trades in league history the same day yeah, and seem to have been on the same page ever since. Now, here's the crazy thing to say. When I say ever since, it's been four or two weeks. Right. <laughs> it's been right. Two, like two weeks ago, they traded for Kevin Durant. Okay, you just ripped off my next comment, and that was it right there. Remember, 
Familiarity is the problem. That's what's the problem. Um, you get guys who work together, and suddenly you start noticing some things maybe you don't like. And I'm not saying that's going to happen here. Are you here. trying to tell me something? I'm just saying. you looked at me when you said that. Well, yeah, well no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> familiarity breeds contempt, does it not, based on well, says sometimes. the old. Yes, of course. Now, I, I'm just saying that's, you know, you, to be fair, um, you can't judge a working relationship on a month no, or two. No, you can't. And that was one of the things when Matt Ishbia was in the process of buying the team that Suns fans really viewed two different ways when, when it was like, oh, this guy's going to be hands-on. He played basketball, and he, he played in college. You know, I know he was the last guy on the bench, but he was the last guy on the bench of one of the best teams in the country. Like He, he plays basketball. Is hands-on a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Can right. he find the balance? Here's more from James Jones on that. It is. I mean, it, it comes back down to team dynamics and team building. When when you sit up top, you know, you a lot of times you just look at you look at names. You know, you look at stats. You look at resumes, and you say, "Hey, this guy is the best player because he has X production." But you don't really understand how they impact their teams. And Matt gets that. You know, you can have. 15 superstars, uh, but if the culture doesn't fit, if they don't mesh, you get what a lot of teams get, which is a, a disappointing run. I know for us, we're trying to, to blend all those things. And so he sees the value in the 15th guy just like the first guy. Oh, man, I love that right there. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying Matt Ishbia knows what a team is. And knows how important it is that you have guys that are modeling your culture on a daily basis and guys that don't fit as well. They might have the talent, no doubt, but guys from a personality perspective that just do not match what it is you want inside that locker room. The fact that you've got an owner that understands that dynamic, that's huge. I love that. I'm starting to get nervous because everybody is saying the right things right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a lot of, like, how, how can you not be fired up for everything the Cardinals are doing? How can you not be fired up for everything the Suns are doing? Because everybody is saying the right thing right now, and I've just been so beaten down with expectations over the last, uh, I don't know, But I guess years. what I'm saying, yeah, I know, and you're right about that. But there's maybe? substance to what he's there saying. There is substance yeah. right there. When he says that, he's, he's Matt Ishbia does know what that's like when you got a malcontent. When you got a malcontent inside that locker room. He knows exactly what that is like. Man, I, I, I love that right there because it just reinforces everything we suspected about Matty Ish. We'll put that on top of the quote from that uh, Sports Illustrated story, too, that we were looking at yesterday where Ishbia said, quote, I'm not watching film on the draft picks. James will recommend who he thinks and we'll talk about. And he might understand my vision on how character really matters and leadership yes. really matters and that I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So he'll know my vision of what matters to me and what I believe in as a human being and as a leader of an organization. But James will pick the best oh. player and that's his job. I'm not calling Monty Williams to ask him why we played someone. That's not my thing. I'll watch the game like a fan and cheer the team on. And he went on beyond that. But, I mean, that he is saying what James Jones is saying. Man, and that's where the owner ought to be. Character. The character of this person you're bringing him in here. Okay, that's that's what I care. The character of that person. Ah, oh, that just man, that gets me jacked. All right, when we come back. This uh, also will get you jacked, Wolf, and you don't even know what it is. But you've been talking about uh, 
blending the old with the new when oh, it comes no. to Cardinals football, oh, right? No. Somebody else has weighed in, and, and their opinion on this is uh, is pretty important if, if they should blend the old and the new. So we'll get to that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You ever feel like you're not getting the full story of what's going on around your workplace, Wolf? I just walked no. into the... <laughs> no. Well, you should. I don't know what's going oh, on okay. around All right. workplace. So you don't even like wonder. You just know no, that's I the case. I don't know. just walked in the break room, and there's just a big bowl of pickles. Oh. Like, I, there should be an explanation if there's a big what bowl do you mean, of pickles. Dill? Pickles? I don't know. Oh, okay. A big bowl of well, pickles. You just said there's some sweet pickles, of course. No, sweet pickles. All right. Dill. Oh, I love dill. Dill pickles. All right. If you're going to have a pickle, it's dill. Well, there's a right? whole bowl of them just sitting out in the break room if you want some. Well, you don't know. You don't know what a dill is. I think those are the good ones, right? Oh, you, well, they're they're bigger, yeah. Because sweet pickles are awful. Yeah, they're, they're little. Okay, pickles. so they're not. <sighs> yeah, no. These are nasty. Uh, I'm going to play this clip for you, and I'm not even going to set it up. I'm just going to tell you that it's Dave Pash with, uh, with Michael Bidwell, okay? It's interesting because, you know, Wolf, I'm sure you've probably heard Wolf say it, whether it's during a broadcast or on a show, the blending of, you know, the blending of the old and the new Michael. I mean, you've known Wolf forever, going back to when you were a ball boy and he was a player on the team. Exactly. And his, it it feels like the way Wolf looks at the game, being physical, being multiple, kind of the Eagles blueprint and how they ran their offense that in Cleveland too. Cleveland was very unique, did a lot of under center. And then you saw a lot of, you know, shotgun and depending on who, whether it was Brissett or Watson, a quarterback, right. do you see the Cardinals kind of being like that where it is really a true blending of the old and the new as Wolf would say? I, I think so. And I also think, you know, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be not just looking at the new in the NFL, but we're going to be looking at the new. And I, Jonathan Gannis said at his press conference, the way football is played in the NFL in 2023 will be different than 2022. And so you have to be adaptable. There's no question in my mind that we're going to be looking to what's done at the college game because that really uh, helps influence the NFL game. And so there are going to be things that are being done that the players, especially this new crop of players, will bring in from 2023's um, uh, college classes that we're, we're going to be doing a lot of things differently. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everything that's developed, especially after we finish with the draft and with free agents. <laughs> so what you're telling me right now is at some point in time, there is going to be a blending of the old and the new. Did you take that as a I yes? Mean, now we've heard it from the GM. You know, we've heard it from the coach. We've heard it from the owner. It does make you happy knowing that you're just going to have a... It just makes you happy when you think of football where you do blend the old and the new, where you blow somebody's face off, and then you tell them about blowing their face off, and then you trick them. It's called the truck and the treat, ladies and gentlemen. You trick somebody, that's your treat, and then you truck them. That's what you do, and that's what you need to do. And I I think that is what I'm going to be watching more than anything else with Jonathan Gannon, of course, and now Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator. What are you going to do? What's that offense going to look like? It's going to be a blending of trucking and tricking, which is the treat part of it. Nobody go to Wolf's house for Halloween. 
Why do you say that? <laughs> I, I give a, I give Woody the best candy on the block. But then you run people over, like you just truck oh, them no, after that. No, no okay. I don't okay. do that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I do. That's the that's where I don't mess around. Like full candy bars. Like you get like four Reese's, oh, nice. Reese's, I should say. And yeah, I know that hurts Reese's. you because that's the only candy you would actually eat. It's the best so kind of give world. it up. That's all you need right there. If if you're stranded on a desert island, you can only have one treat. What is it going to be? Reese's cheesecake. No. No. Yeah, cheesecake's good. No, it's going to spoil immediately. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know how realistic we were going. <laughs> oh, okay. You think the Reese's are going to last forever? Well, it, I assume it, I have a fridge. Do you know what's in that stuff? Okay, there's a lot of stuff that's not really good for you. It, it's going to last. I'm that, listening. That I'll trust you. Okay. Uh, I mean, trust me on that. It's going to last for a long time, wrapped up, especially if you don't open it. And just, you know, there's, I had a buddy of mine, he used to lick the Reese's cup. Uh, why? Just lick it until it was like, he used it like it was a sucker. I mean, how nasty That's is that? Not... I told him that all the time, but he was a nasty dude. Isn't, isn't their campaign? A fur on his back. <laughs> you could tell just based on that story. Isn't, it wasn't that the, the campaign for them was there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's? There apparently is. You just yeah, found one. Yeah, licking it. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah, it was That's nasty. Just, no, and then it, other times, too, he was a big guy. He was about 330 pounds. He would stick a whole, one of the, one of the whole cups. You know how you have two and a Reese's, you got yes. two peanut butter cups right there. He'd stick the whole thing in his cheek like he was dipping. Like he was, he was chewing tobacco. Just the whole thing would be in his cheek, the side of it. He let it just dissolve. When are you writing your book? <laughs> this needs to be How like a prominent chapter. A Reese's cup. <laughs> no, not that book. This is just a part of the book. Um, I don't want to bury the lead. Remember when Michael Bidwell said they are going to blend the old and the new? Yeah. That seems like something that you would be interested in since you've been saying that since forever. Yeah, you know, again, it's really interesting. I, I can't wait to see how this manifests itself because this is a young coaching staff and, and typically when you get guys that are under 40 years old, 40 years old or under, and not every one of them are under. Okay, I mean, Jeff Rogers, of course, who is going to be joining us, I believe, tomorrow. Is that not Correct? I believe it is. Yeah, Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator with the third regime here in Arizona, of course. That tells you how good he is. He's going to be joining us tomorrow. He's 44 years old. Okay, but there's a lot of coaches, as we know so far on this staff, that are under 40. What does that mean? Is, is Do you have Jonathan Gannon out there looking for guys that are under 40 that also believe in some of the older concepts and precepts of the game of football. And he is going to blend the old and the new because there's a lot of young guys that are out there that are more Brandon Staley than anything else. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. When, you, when you're talking about it, you think, okay, there's obviously risk here. But if it works, if it works, it should work for a while. right? If Jonathan Gannon comes in here, he's a good coach. And all these guys that he brought in that are 35 and 29 or even, you know, keeping Jeff Rogers around at 44, like these are young coaches compared to the, the, the historic 
prototype for an NFL head coach or an NFL assistant coach. If this works, it's going to work for a while. Now, it might take a little while to work. That yeah. You know, it, it was at least when Cliff came in here and Kyler came in here a few years ago, it was like, hey, we're coming off a miserable three-win season. We had the first overall pick. Here we go. Like, it's just it, slow build. Let's go. It's going to be tough next year. You don't know who your quarterback is. You don't know who your backup quarterback is to start the year. All these guys are in new roles, except Jeff Rogers, uh, at the moment at least. So if they could put up a good record next year, you'd feel yeah. great. But there's going to be additional obstacles next year as opposed to what there normally would be. You know, the name was evoked once again in the Nick Rollis presser. So let's go ahead and hear that. Play it, Mel. Throughout coaching, like whether when I was playing, a lot of the coaches that I played for, or early in my career when I got to be around um, Mike Zimmer or Jeff Howard, who's with who's now with the the Chargers, who really helped me get into the NFL, um, or Jonathan Gannon, Nick Sirianni, even offensive coaches that I'm in the same building with, they teach you so much. And so, honestly, I think it's a it's a product of being around the right people and and trying to soak up as much as possible from those guys and just be ready when this opportunity comes and I'm, I'm extremely grateful that it, it did come you know at, it, at the timing it is as cool if it would have been later that's also really cool you know um, but I would say it's ultimately I'm lucky to be around the people that I've been around throughout my whole life and you know in my coaching career wouldn't that be awesome if in fact you could bring a mentor coach onto this staff them being as young as they are right now a guy that could sit around the table and say, yeah, but, yeah, but. He said he was going to do that. About, I know. It's going to be interesting to see who that dude might be. If you tell me it's Mike Zimmer, I'm going to literally grab the flag and start waving it. I'll lead the parade <laughs> with my baton. You do love a parade. Indeed. Uh, even if it isn't Mike Zimmer, I think it's a good idea. And he, he, Gannon implied they were going to have a few guys like that that they were going to sprinkle in. He said that he values that, too, and that you know that could still happen here in the coming weeks. I, I think there's absolutely value because you're so extreme one way. If it was a bunch of 68-year-old coaches, I'd want them to bring in some 30- yes. and 40-year-old guys to give some perspective, too. If you're going to blend the old with the new, you kind of need both sides working Indeed. together. and Or you just need Dave Pash to bring it up to uh, Michael Bidwell on the Pash Pod. The Pash Pod. Which you obviously hadn't listened to because you didn't know that was coming. I was on uh, episode 50, I believe. Well, <laughs> check it. <laughs> you know, just a big round check number. That out right All there. right. Uh, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.